You're listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast and it is time for the League One 1-24 to league table predictions for the 2019-2020 season. For the fourth year straight, we are putting our thoughts and opinions on the line for your enjoyment or perhaps not. That remains to be seen over the course of the next hour. I am Ali Maxwell and alongside me, as ever, is George Ellick. And George, talk us through a very kind and generous sponsor that we have for these podcasts this year. Yeah, Chuffed, that Fitstairs are sponsoring these podcasts. Fitstairs are a bookmaker. If you haven't heard of them, I implore you to go straight to www.fitstairs.com where you can find out how to make an account. You can see all of their odds and stuff if you click on bet. Um, they're very kindly sponsoring the pod, so it's not a betting show. I'll make that clear to those who aren't particularly interested in that kind of stuff, but we will be just running in a couple of odds here and there uh, when we're talking about teams for relegation and the like, so those of you who want to follow our uh, our fancies can do so with Fitstairs. Now, we start with 24, which is always a tough way to start any league table prediction, but it's especially difficult in League One this season and if you're listening to this podcast you most likely have an idea of what has happened to Bury FC and to Bolton Wanderers but the difficulty in recording this podcast as we are on Monday evening is that there was a deadline that both clubs needed to meet uh, supposedly this evening to basically give the EFL an idea of whether they can go ahead with their matches on opening weekend. So as we record, there's been no statement, there's been nothing that has come to light about whether those games will or will not go ahead. Both teams are in slightly different circumstances for slightly different reasons, but both in a really terrible spot right now without seemingly that much hope for the near future. But as we know, in these matters, everything can change and we just desperately hope that in the short term... Uh, things can be agreed, negotiations can be made, and these two clubs can get themselves back on their feet uh, and, of course, fulfil their fixtures to start the League One season. Uh, if they do, and we are working on this podcast to the assumption that they will, because we haven't heard otherwise yet, if they do, both sides will have a 12-point deduction. Uh, I guess there's potential for that to, to grow, but we know that it'll certainly be 12 points at the very least. So that is important to understand as we begin this podcast and therefore no surprise really that in Bury we have our 24th placed club. Um, Steve Dale, the owner, has agreed a company voluntary agreement to reduce their debts um, but he still needs to prove that he can continue to run the club or has a buyer lined up. Um, EFL, as I mentioned, wanting to see evidence that uh, Berry can meet all their outstanding commitments by the end of business on today, on Monday when we're recording. So um, regardless, the players from last season's promotion campaign have gone. The manager, Ryan Lowe, has gone. Um, they are in terrible shape, even if they get everything sorted. They will start the season with God knows what sort of squad, and they are obviously going to struggle to compete on the pitch if they get onto the pitch. Bury are 24th placed club. And in Bolton, in 23rd, uh, no huge surprises. Again, in the event of Bolton having a takeover ratified and moving forward with the season, they still have barely any senior players remaining. Um, players have been handing in their notice. 
there's really no senior squad to talk of. So similar situation, really, minus 12 points with uh, no squad to speak of. And even if they are to be able to move forward, they'll have to sign free agents and the like. And it's going to be very, very difficult for them to compete. So we've got them in 23rd. They have slightly more players at this stage than Barry, but not by much. So uh, a really tough situation for both of them. It means for the rest of League One that a league that normally has four relegation spots now, to our eyes, only has two. And of course, it's possible that both of those clubs could do something spectacular. But there's essentially, in our eyes, two relegation spots up for grabs. And George, in 23rd, we've got Rochdale sort of making up the numbers for, for the rest of the division. Why do we have Rochdale so low? We were both very much in agreement here. Yeah, I'll just quickly rattle through the odds so people can see. I mean, Bury are one to twelve relegation, so all but down. Bolton given more of a chance at four to nine. That was about four to five this morning. So you can see that people are starting to to clock on to what's going on. And, and Rochdale are just a little bit below at seven to two. Still one of the favourites for relegation. Um, worth pointing out that when we made this, um, they have made a signing today that I think is quite impressive. Yeah. In Jimmy Ryan from Blackpool. Um, okay. you know, an experienced midfielder who's who's a decent ball player and I think a lot of Blackpool fans wish that he had stayed but it doesn't really change my thinking at all because um, they were very very poor last season um, so poor that they ended up sacking Keith Hill uh, a manager who had been Mr Rochdale for so long and had, had really taken them um, you know had been a fantastic manager for them um, Brian Barry Murphy came in and seemingly saved them although um, the underlying data behind the performances were not particularly flattering. It seemed as if it may have just been a bit of variance. They did here enough, where didn't they? they did enough to stay up. And you often see that, don't you? I mean, everyone changes their manager, and some of them go down and some of them stay up. So you're loath to sort of point at, at, yeah. at people that, doing something amazingly. But it did seem that well, he was able to, to stop the flow of goals being conceded, that's yeah. for sure. And I've said before, and Rochdale fans told me that I was wrong, was that realistically, Hill probably would have. I mean, the run that they were on under Hill wouldn't have continued. Just with variance alone, there would have been a change in it. But let's not get into that now. Um, they brought in Ryan. They brought in Owen O'Connell as well, who's, who looks like a fairly decent signing. Um, but they've lost some some fairly good players. We've seen Brad Inman move on, who is probably the, the you know the, the player with the most quality in the in the squad last season. Um, and there's just very little to be excited about. I, I mean, I cannot fathom why um, with a I mean, undeniably worse manager, as, as we know at the moment. I mean, he'll find that the, the decision may have been okay last season, but Brian Barry Murphy or Keith Hill, who do you want to manage your team going forward? There's just no question in my mind the right answer. Given his lack of experience as well, there's always the, the concern that if things don't go right immediately, he's going to be susceptible to the uh, to a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Um, more signings like today are needed if they're going to have any chance, and I'm not particularly positive. Yeah, I agree. They look very thin at the back to me, and Henderson has consistently scored goals at this level. Slightly fewer goals if you take away the penalties, although someone's got to score them. Um, I think that their reliance on him appears to me that, like it'll be more than ever, and the older he gets, the, the less of a good thing that is. Um, I, I think it's important to say here, or at least I think it is, that I really have no issue with Rochdale refusing to overextend themselves, you know, just to stay at this level or just to compete in terms of signings because they're not a team that's that's going to have, you know, in terms of organic revenue, a, a huge wage budget, um, a huge footballing budget. So I think 
it's completely fine that they would not overextend themselves. Uh, and as we know, they've got some very local examples as to why that is a dangerous thing to do. But at the same time, we think that based on what they do have and the manager, that it's going to be really, really tough for them. So uh, Rochdale in 23rd. In 22nd, the final relegation spot. We went back and forth over this, uh, but ultimately we've landed on AFC Wimbledon in 22nd. Won't be <laughs> Do much... we ever learn from our mistakes? No, I was about <laughs> to say. Won't be much of a shock to the fans who listened last year and uh, Wimbledon obviously did not get relegated, although it was a pretty close run thing. Um, what is it about Wimbledon under miracle man Wally Downs that makes us think that might be a one-off miracle? I don't know. Like, it's just, just, you look through the squad again at the beginning of the season and there's just no denying it. It looks short on quality. Um, it looks very, very short on numbers. Uh, you can't really see how they're going to score enough goals to stay up. You're looking at the, the front line of, of Piggott and a, and a and a pie. I mean, I know that Piggott had that incredible hot streak at the back end of last season, but I, for one, won't be backing him to do it again. Uh, we were both pretty surprised with how Wally Downs got on. He's a manager that I'm pretty happy to put money down on that, that what happened last season isn't going to be the start of a uh, you know, mesmeric managerial um, career. Uh, it's, it's hard to predict anything but another season of struggle for Wimbledon, in, in my view. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I was sort of umming and ahhing over them and Wickham for this spot. Uh, we've got Wimbledon in there. What was so clear is how important uh, the wing-backs were to their survival last season. Seddon and Sibic. Seddon was on loan and is now back with his parent club. Sibic sold to Barnsley for a pretty penny. Uh, not much of that appears to have been reinvested in the playing squad at this stage, still with uh, a fair few weeks to go for the League One transfer window, we should add. Um, but Guinness Walker, which has to be one of the best names in the EFL now, uh, and, and Riley on the other side have fairly big shoes to fill there. And I have some concerns about Downs being able to take this team through an entire campaign and, and all that that, you know, the sort of different skill set, I suppose, that that asks for. Um, I guess by which I mean... Can he motivate this team or can he get them playing in the same sort of way without the obvious motivational tool of we've, everyone says we've been relegated, they were so far adrift. And I feel like psychologically, if you have the right group, that can be quite a powerful motivational tool. Now, the, the, the expectations are different now and I just wonder whether... I'm, I'm just not sure whether he's necessarily going to be uh, able to do any better than, say, Neil Ardley did at this time last season, where, uh, again, the, the, the difficulty in putting together a really competitive squad means that they're always sort of fighting against it somewhat. I had Wickham down there as well. We've got them in, in 20, 20th, actually, so surviving. And I think a lot of that comes down to Gareth Ainsworth and the fact that we can be much more sure that he... You know, let's say him and Wally Downs were managing the exact same squad of players in the exact same circumstances. I think we would back Ainsworth and his team to do better than Downs' team. So, um, to my eyes, there's not that much between them squad-wise. There's not that much between them quality-wise, um, but a little bit between the manager-wise. So, for Wickham, who had a, a good beginning and end to last season, numbers-wise, uh, but a very difficult middle period, whose squad is... is uh, notably and always very, very thin and doesn't cope that well with injuries, who will play 
very direct and, and make things incredibly difficult for their opposition and try and rely on a bit of quality from, from Smith on loan from QPR. Uh, and otherwise, it's it's the same sort of old timers up up front, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the, the lack of quality up top has, has got to be the concern. But as you say, I mean with Gareth Ainsworth in charge, it's hard to see them really, really falling apart um, unless he were to leave the club. And I'm sure he'd have a lot of a lot of suitors if he did want to. Um, before we we move on to to those outside of the relegation zone, because it is worth mentioning that Wickham and, and Wimbledon was a bit of a toss up here. Uh, Wickham are three to one uh, for the drop with Fitzstairs. AFC Wimbledon are fifteen to four. Um, and Rochdale, as I said, were at seven to two. I think Wimbledon at fifteen to four, the biggest price of the lot, does seem to be uh, a little bit of value there. Do you want a really fun fact? Yeah. Wickham signed a player called Jacob Gardiner Smith. Two fun things about him: he started his professional career with Zenit St Petersburg, despite being fully English, and his father is a Labour MP, Barry Gardiner. Uh, so an unusual signing there, Jacob Gardiner Smith. He is signed to give some depth to their midfield and that is probably where they're quite strong I'd say uh, Wickham in central midfield with Gape um, with Pattinson uh, as well as Curtis Thompson so some some positives there for Wickham especially the gaffer Gareth Ainsworth who we like a lot now moving on to another it's a bit of a variation on a theme this isn't it a lot of teams whose budgets are low for the division but who have interesting and in this case very successful managers. We're talking about Accrington Stanley, their manager, John Coleman. George, they started strong last season, their first ever season at this level, and they somewhat limped to the finish, I think it's fair to say, but achieved survival, a thin squad as always. How do we assess them shaping up ahead of this season? With Accrington, you have to understand that this is going to come to an end at some stage. Like Because of the budgets, I mean, I know people have been saying about Morecambe for about you know, it's 10 years or whatever. But, but with Accrington, there are four relegation places. They had a very good first season in League One last season and finished about 10 points clear of the drop. But every season is going to be a battle against the drop, whether that means they start like a train like they did last season and get themselves out of trouble early, or if it's uh, actually being in a relegation battle. And the key to having the tools to get themselves out of it is having certain key assets. Those assets being John Coleman, as you mentioned, who's the manager. I mean, as soon as he leaves, I think the whole thing will probably unravel. And certain players, Sean McConville being the most important, who signed the new contract today. Um, we can see in the local press that Billy Key hasn't been at the club over the summer um, for personal reasons, so we're not going to speculate as to what they may be or how long he may be out for, but that is undoubtedly a blow um, Sanzal has obviously shown some some decent stuff up top and can be a bit of a live wire up there. You have to trust in the recruitment machine that is Accrington, given they continually pick up players for, for not much cash. You seem to be bang up for the job straight away. Joe Pritchard, probably the most interesting one, I would say, um, in from Bolton, who they wouldn't have been able to pick up if Bolton weren't in the mess they're currently in. So what's the highest you can predict them to finish? I'd say probably 17th. 16th so having them at 19th is a is an achievement because as I say one day whether it's this season the season after or the season after they are going to get relegated back and it's just warding off that inevitability and at the moment they still have the tools to do it bit of a theme uh, down at the bottom of league one is that because of last year's relegation battle where almost every team changed their manager practically apart from Wickham and Accrington who we've just touched on is that we're going to talk about a lot of managers and we're going to say you know, they were able to keep them up last season. They did the survival, but now they have to deal with a full campaign, a full pre-season. 
and everything that that involves. Now, this is the case for Southend and for Kevin Bond. Uh, stayed up on final day, of course. Everyone said this was a squad that should never have been down there. The worst injury crisis, certainly in that club's history. And there can't have been many worse, really, uh, in general. And all of that meant that Chris Powell was sort of swimming against the tide, had to leave. Kevin Bond came in and, as we see sometimes, uh, on a short-term basis, did enough to keep the club up. Still some big question marks, I think, over Bond himself. We don't really know what, what his team's going to look like, particularly now that he's got his feet under the table. Uh, and definitely looking at their uh, the paucity, really, of their summer recruitment, you can say that they are more or less sticking with what they've got. Not a huge amount of incomings and uh, no gigantic losses, I wouldn't say. You've got the likes of Ben Coker leaving, who's a talented fullback, but unfortunately had such a tough time with injuries. So it's 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 the similar sort of squad to last season. And just to remind you, it was a squad that was meant to be in the top half of this division. It was meant to chase for the playoffs, but for those injuries. Uh, just at a glance now, looks a little light at the back. They do have some very solid central midfield options and in Cox and potentially Humphreys, uh, a pretty good front too, I would say too. And Tom Hopper coming back as well from a, a long-term injury. So decent options through the middle. Not a lot to speak about in terms of, of a threat from out wide. So they may play quite a narrow formation. Not a huge fan of, of their fullback options either. So that remains to be seen how effective that will be. We've got Southend United in 18th here in our predictions. In 17th, this is an interesting one. And I'm going to let you do the talking here. Uh, Oxford United. This is certainly lower than the bookies have placed them at the moment, but they're certainly missing something at this stage, aren't they? Yeah, I think at the moment we're probably a bet for relegation. Um, eight to one with Fitzstairs at the moment. Uh, because we don't have any players, which is always a tough way to go forward. I mean, it, it's frustrating as a fan because um, Oxford finished the season very strongly last season under under Carl Robinson, and there was a lot of optimism that this was going to be um, a platform with on with which to kick on from. Um, a lot of players released at the end of the season. I think now, if we could go back to May, the likes of Charlie Raglan, Fika Kelleher, Harvey Bradbury probably wouldn't have been released because we need depth in those areas. Um, Robinson did an interview six weeks ago saying that John Massino wasn't part of his plans anymore. Um, and he'd offered him a player coach role. John Messina is currently first choice centre back, um, and, and we'll be starting against Sunderland. Um, we have one striker, Jamie Mackey, who's not really a striker and is 33 years old, and um, and, and 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 currently has played one game of pre-season um, and won't score very many goals. I mean, the thing is, you know, if anyone at the club is listening, they, that everything I'm saying, they know the frustration isn't just with the fans; it's with the manager; it's with. Um, the playing staff as well. Everyone knows these players have to come in and we've been linked to a host of exciting names, at least in terms of quality. Um, the most recent one is Omar Bogle. Um, but the flip side of that is that if he does come in, it seems like it's going to be at the expense of Gavin White, who's set to move to Cardiff, who is the shining of light of last season. Um, there is still quality amongst the squad. I mean, Cameron Brannigan is a player. I'm sure we'll get a championship move probably at the end of this, at the end of this year. The players brought in Alex Gorin, looks like a very good defensive midfielder from Motherwell, Chris Cadden, um, has come in as well as Scottish international Tariq Fosu, who is very, very good for Carl Robinson at, at Charlton. So it wouldn't take much. That's the thing. I mean, if if by Saturday um, a, a, a centre back to replace Curtis Nelson and a striker comes in, then you know that eight to one will be will be a terrible bet. But 
you know, the, the season finished well over two months ago. And for whatever reason, it isn't happening. Um, and it's it's fair for Oxford fans to, to say that, you know, we will get someone in and it's going to look better at some stage. But right now, it's, it's impossible to see Oxford finishing in the top half. Um, and Well, without four, let's say, yeah, four really good contributors exactly. who are quite tough to find. Exactly. Well, it means that they're clearly, whether they're tough to find, I don't know, but they're pretty tough to, to catch. To nail down. Um, so it's a, it's a speculative pe- pessimism because it wouldn't take much to turn it into optimism. Um, I was going to say my first note on Oxford from probably 10 days ago was could be quite tasty with a few signings. Yeah. And it went from that to, oh my God, where are all the players quite quickly? Yeah, if you look on, on transfer marked and you look at the squad um, by position, that isn't the striker. <laughs> uh, and from what Carl Robinson has said this morning, we're looking to sign one striker, which concerns me. How do you replace a really good striker, which is not what Oxford had last season, but it is what Tranmere Rovers had last season in James Norwood. He, I, I, I really don't want to say single-handedly fired them to promotion because as with all of these things, there was plenty behind him. There was a very solid defence. There were a lot of very, very talented teammates. But it's certainly fair to say that his goals were the difference between them not getting in the playoffs and getting in the playoffs uh, and then in certainly winning their playoff semi-final as well. He has left and gone to Ipswich, a move that no one really begrudged. Uh, Well, the difficulty is replacing him. They've certainly got bodies up front. Uh, Ishmael Miller, Chris Dagnall, Paul Mullen already there. Stefan Payne and Jordan Ponticelli loaned in. Uh, Payne, sorry, permanent Ponticelli on loan from Coventry. Difficult to find necessarily 30 goals amongst that lot. And that's why I think we've got them, here we are in the bottom half, um, towards the bottom of the table, but clear from relegation. And I think that speaks to a couple of things. We really rate Mickey Mellon. He has only done good things since he's taken over from Tranmere. And they really needed that at the point where he took over. They were at risk of becoming a pretty sort of standard National League side. And here they are in League One, um, probably in terms of the the fan base, uh, the league that they deserve to be in, at least, uh, if not one up. So the defence was excellent last season, and I think it will be again. Uh, The central defensive options, Manny Mont, Sid Nelson, George Ray, Mark Ellis, if he's back, from what was a tough injury, and plenty of fullback options makes me think that they might switch to a three-at-the-back system uh, at some point. They've still got the likes of, uh, of Ollie Banks, who's a class act in midfield, Perkins, experience, Harvey Gilmore, bit of quality as well. Um, not a huge depth in midfield. Uh, and then, as we said, a lot of through-the-middle striker options. We remain to be seen how many of them can take their chances. Uh, they're looking to bolster in wide areas. Um, and they've got Kieran Morris, Corey Blackett-Taylor in uh, this summer to sort of help out there. But, yeah, as I said, my sort of vision of this, George, is good defensively, good at home, struggle for goals, come 16th. You got anything to, to sort of argue with there? Nothing. Well, let's move on then. Bristol Rovers in 15th. We, we really did have very similar feelings about basically every position from 10th to about... 20th essentially so let's crack on and, and get through uh bristol, <laughs> bristol rovers now i was gonna say i saw on twitter yesterday that the man we've been calling graham coughlin it's actually pronounced graham 
Coglin. Yeah, I saw that. So we will henceforth be calling him Graham Coglin. We've got his Bristol Rovers team in uh, in fifteenth. What does that mean for the Pirates this season? I went into this process of, of research thinking I was going to be quite um, pessimistic about them, but actually, Coglin seemed to do a decent job. The you know the performance metrics definitely improved. Johnson Clark Harris looks to be um, a striker that would fire most teams out of a relegation battle. Um, they've lost some some first team players, James Clark, Tom Lockyer, but not necessarily um, irreplaceable ones. Um, recruitment looks fairly decent as well. It's yeah, I, I think they look like. Oh, well, I just think they, they, there are teams who. I mean, it's, Which this, is, this is stating this is stating obvious, but I think there are teams who are quite clearly worse than them. I think that on paper he looks like an inexperienced manager, but there are signs that he might be quite a good one. It's all just kind of okay. On paper, which of their summer signing goalkeeper options do you like most out of Ansi Yakola and Jordi van Stappershoof? Obviously Jordi. Well, I like Ansi Yakola a lot, and there are plenty of Reading fans <laughs> saying that he was perfectly good enough as a championship shot stopper, maybe not so good with his feet, but Cogden likes to play fairly solid, unspectacular football, I think it's fair to say. So Yakola can just punt it long. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris is both the the sort of uh, the pro of this team, but the con is related to him as well because he's really, really good and scored loads of goals. And if he's fit for a whole season, you know, there are people wondering whether it might have been a flash in the pan. I definitely don't agree with that. I think that he has basically every tool you need to be a good League One striker. The The worry is, what if he's not as good? But the bigger worry is, are they too reliant on him? And what happens if he gets injured or if he's just if his production just slightly drops? Because, you know, they've brought in Adebayejo, they've brought in Tyler Smith. These look like good, young, fairly unproven backup options to him. But if the rate that he scored at last season drops significantly, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. Uh, but generally, as you said, I think they'll be solid, unspectacular, um, and hopefully they can put behind them what was a fairly sort of... Uh, well, just quite an unpleasant, unhappy season, which which at least ended quite well. Uh, what about Gillingham? They're in 14th. Steve Evans is in charge, uh, which is exciting for, I guess, some for people, for him. Exciting for him. Um, I think Jill's fans have quite high hopes here, so I wonder what they will feel about a 14th place prediction. It's going to be quite similar to another team we talk about in a bit, where um, pre-season certain characters will talk a lot. And we'll build expectation purely from talking. And, and we, We've talked a lot in pre-season. We have. So we've built our own expectations of our product. <laughs> uh, and, and Evans is certainly one of those. And, you know, he will tell you, I mean, I, I, and whether he believes it or not, that every signing they make is a fantastic signing. And every striker they sign is going to score 100 goals. And every defender they get is, is his biggest um, target of the season. And that's going to translate into... Um, into expectation, I don't think there's much in there to get too excited about. Um, Alex Kubiak had a okay time at Bristol Rovers last season, but really he's not someone who's going to star in a League One team, I don't think. Mikel Manjon has, has done very, very little um, outside of the National League. Um, was pretty relevant at Colchester and managed, managed to get a, a move up to League One. Um, I think Cissé from MK Dons is, is the one signing that looks quite decent. Stuart O'Keefe, his career has been on a downward spiral for a long time and it's pretty rare someone of that age in that position um, 
making a move down to League One, having played in the Premier League, is, is, is necessarily a good thing. Quite a lot of intrigue around Willock as well. Well, I was going to get on to him, yeah. Okay. Um, seems, to, seems to split opinion, let's say, uh, amongst the loan clubs that he's been at in the past. Um, I think he, he caught the eye at Crawley last season. Um, I would argue that a 22-year-old Manchester United youth player going alone to a League Two team probably suggests that he wasn't particularly high, highly thought of at United. Um, those at St Mirren have a very, very different um, opinion of him as a complete waste of time. But again, Steve Evans says that he's one of the best players in the league. So let's see how that goes down. I think they've got some, yeah, potentially explosive talent in Willock and in players we saw last season, Hanlon, Charles Cook, List. Uh, they did go on a really good run at one point, didn't they? And it wasn't just Tom Eaves that was doing the business. Those guys were chipping in towards the start of the season. But very <coughs> little obvious striker options at this stage or goal scorers. I mean, Mickey Mandron is going to score you. Well, I mean, it's only fair <coughs> that I give two sides of the coin here because as you can tell, I, I do get a bit tired of, of Evans's persona, but it, he does have a very, very good record of getting a striker scoring. So we could see one of these guys like Mandron suddenly become um, a goal scorer. And generally his teams are pretty good. Like he doesn't, you know, teams he takes on don't usually struggle to at least treble the, the top half of the table. So Started last season by winning the first at least five games of the season mm, with Posh. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a fast start for Jills as well. Um, Doncaster, I want you to run me through. We've got them in 13th. This obviously represents a decent drop-off from last season in which they finished 6th and lost narrowly in the end in the playoff semi-final to Charlton. Uh, fair bit of change uh, since that team that played at the Valley... Uh, in the dugout, Darren Moore is in. Gavin McCann is out. Uh, some key players have left. Herbie Kane and Malik Wilkes were loanees who went back. Andy Butler as well. The, the, the experienced centre-back has gone to join Paul Hurst at Scunthorpe. But John Marquis is still there. But well, in, the, in the national press today reported he's going to either Pompey or Charlton. Ooh, OK. Which would be, I mean, there are two teams with a lot of strikers already. Yeah. And good ones at that. You could do with him at Oxford. We'll just take whoever that makes surplus wherever he goes. Okay, nice. Uh, run me through. Macaulay Bond. <laughs> what do you think about Donny this season? It's hard to, to see them improving on last season based on the players they've lost, the player they're about to lose. And with Darren Moore, I think we, everyone can hope that he's now going to prove the doubters wrong and that he is a, you know, his coaching ability matches his, his manners and persona because he seems like a great guy and a very, very popular guy. Um, but there wasn't much to fall in love with at West Brom last season, um, tactically. And he's got a really tough job on his hands because Grant McCann did exceed expectations last season and has risen expectations for more. And if he loses Kane and if he loses Marquis, I mean, he's lost Kane and, and no Marquis. That is a very, very different um, attacking focus that he's going to have to find from somewhere. And I can't really see where it's going to come from. That is the bottom half of League one. Now it's a team who finished in the bottom half last season, who a lot of people are getting very excited about uh, in Shrewsbury Town, who have made some fantastic signings. And Ali, he obviously signed, um, Sam Ricketts has signed your best friend, Ethan Ebanks Landell. So have you spoken to Ethan? What's the general feeling like at, at Shrewsbury? And is he confident that, um, that they're going to have a good season? Ethan and I go back so far that Generally, our conversations, and they are regular conversations, tend to revolve around, you know, family, um, shared experiences and memories from the past. So 
it's not something we've spoken about hugely. When we People did, who are listening to this for the first time are going to have no idea what we're talking about. When I did meet Ethan Ebanks-Landale on a flight back from LA back in June, he did seem pretty excited about the whole thing. Obviously, he was one of the earliest signings made in the EFL, so there was still a bit of business still to be done. But he certainly was happy to have a home again. He's a defender that I rate a lot at this level and I think adds to some a team that I just think has improved a lot since last season. Now, the caveat is they massively underperformed their XG all of last season. They were basically a playoff-chasing team in terms of the underlying numbers, and we kept banging on about it, and it never quite caught up. Well, this season, let's see if it does or not. If the numbers stay the same, we would certainly be very positive of a, at least a top-half finish if not more. And I don't see why they would change because I think that they've got a better team. They've lost Greg Doherty in midfield who was on loan from Rangers and that's a blow. But that midfield has experience in Vancelo and, and Edwards, Dave Edwards, of course, and still has quality in Norburn. They've got pace and skill in Okunabire up front and old man Steve Morrison doing everything, doing all the rough stuff and, uh, and basically setting him up, flicking it on through the middle. Uh, and yeah, the, it was the defence that I kept banging on about at the start of the summer. Evanks Landell's a part of that, but so is Aaron Pierre, so is Roshan Williams. They've still got Waterfall as well, uh, and Omar Beckles, who's a good versatile defender. So everything is good in my eyes. I think that Ricketts did an okay job uh, to start uh, in quite in quite a difficult atmosphere around the club last season at times at Shrewsbury. Um, he certainly had to win some fans over, and I'm sure there are still some sitting on the fence, but I th I'd like to think he's got more of a platform this season to show us what he can do. Uh, and I'm, in, I'm excited to see Shrewsbury sort of regress to the mean in a good way uh, and, and be a... a it wouldn't be a regression. Progress to the mean? Progress. Okay, thanks, mate. Um, you've always been good at that sort of uh, linguistics. Burton we've got in 11th. Running out of steam a bit here, aren't we? Are those <laughs> linguistics? Yeah, you've always been good at the linguistics. Thanks, mate. Tell me about Burton Albion, the Brewers. <clears throat> um, we've got them in 11th. It's not too dissimilar to, to how they did last season. Yeah, I, I think they were a team that I was ready to really get behind. Um, losing Marcus Harness to, to Pompey is a big, big blow. Uh, they Jamie Allen as well to Coventry. Well, Jamie Allen and, and Carl McFadden as well. I mean, they're, they're three crucial first-team players from last season who, who they've lost um, which to other League One teams who we currently have higher than them in the table. Uh, the squad looks incredibly thin. Um, 16 senior outfield players. Currently, I yeah. I mean, Liam Boyce is a, is, a, is a really good goal scorer at this level, who I still think could just burst into life one season and score about a million goals. Uh, but but you're, in terms of the players they brought in, Ryan Edwards is a really interesting signing from Hart. We don't know much about him, but he's a decent age and is an Australian international um, it could be very good. John Joe O'Toole hasn't really lived up to, to his early promise. And I think we can all be quite surprised that he's got to move to League One. But he is the kind of player that Nigel Clough will just get a tune out of when he scored goals uh, previously and has proven a handful. So it, I think on paper, this, this squad looks worse than 12th. Uh. I think the, the signings don't look particularly inspiring. But last season, they were very good. They did improve as the season went on. Clough showed that he's still the man for the job. Um, Got enough and, credit in the bank for us. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and you think that he's probably going to continue to take them forward. Uh, another manager who has a lot of credit in the bank is Mark Robbins at Coventry. And we have Coventry 10th. Um, some really exciting signings um, this summer. Is it fair to say that we'd have them higher if they weren't playing their home games 
away from home. I think it definitely is. He's got more credit in the bank with the commentary fans and with us than the most managers, that's for sure. Not just, then you were right. Yeah, he, yeah probably. <laughs> he, did, uh, he did a great job in his first spell there. He's doing an even better job in his second spell there in the face of some significant off-field issues which are very well documented. If anyone has missed the latest news, that is that they were not able to agree a deal. Well, it wasn't really up to them. It was up to bureaucracy wasn't able to agree a deal for them to play their games at the Rico Arena in Coventry next season. So they'll be playing their games at St. Andrews in Birmingham. It's not that far from Coventry. It's not as much of a ball ache to get to than Northampton was when they played at Sixfields. But it's a huge blow. It represents a huge failing from um, really everyone involved. And it's just another... Um, disappointing circumstance for Coventry fans who have been put through the ringer in the last 10 years. The good news is that they've actually got a team to be proud of. They've certainly got a manager to be proud of. uh, And they have done for the last few years. So at least on the pitch, things have been pretty good. And you're absolutely right to say that genuinely, we don't know what playing at Birmingham is going to do. It's putting a lot of people off. And I suppose it's putting us off to some extent because I think if they were playing at the Rico... um, we'd probably have them playoff chasing. And, and as it is, we've got them uh, in 10th. So not too far off. Look, I think they've got one of the best central midfield trios in the league. In Liam Kelly, uh, who, who does the simple stuff, the dirty work. Jamie Allen, as mentioned, signed from Burton. And Tom Bayliss, one of the most exciting young players in the EFL. I think they've got some really exciting wide players. Decent options in defence. Uh, and I suppose it's just an obvious... 20-goal-a-season man that we're lacking, but how often do we say that? And who knows? I, I, I sort of think that... I, I always wonder if Bakayoko might one day just, just go to the next level, just one day might make the leap and become clinical. And maybe this is the year for Bakayoko. Maybe it's the year that Hiwula scores plenty. Um, but that is my main concern in, in terms of the, the squad. We've got commentary in 10th. Neither of us would be surprised in the slightest if playing at Birmingham doesn't phase Robbins and his team and, and they're higher up. I think we would be quite surprised if they were much lower, unless for whatever reason it's like a complete disaster uh, playing away. Uh, for your home games, what about Blackpool? Because all change there and good news off the field and there's quite a lot of summer business as well. I think of all these teams here, they're the ones who could really throw a cat amongst the pigeons and give people a surprise because... I bet there are so many pigeons on Blackpool Pier. I'm sure. I've been there. There were. There were. Um, and seagulls. It just feels Nicking like... Nicking your chips. The club... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I was going to keep talking about Simon Grayson. It just feels like the club, you were saying. It just feels like the club is... is we all know what happened with the Oysters and, and the, the good, how the good feeling around the club changed and the fans came back at the back end of last season... And the rhetoric is there, but I feel like the whole club has changed since then. Mm. Um, getting Simon Grayson in, um, who won promotion as a manager there a few years ago, I mean about 10 years ago, um, is a coup. And he's as good as you're going to get at this level. I will maintain that. He's taken a couple of, of bad jobs recently, and this is his chance to, to get it back. Um, the shop that they're, you know, the, the level that they're shopping at now is of a higher level. Ryan Edwards, I think, is a really good signing. Sully Kalkai could be anything, but definitely has the talent to be really, really exciting. Jamie Devitt is another very, very good player from League Two. Um, Ryan Hardy comes in from Rangers, who a lot of Rangers fans are gutted they've let go, who they think could score a lot of good goals. Um, Jack Anik is another good, very good keeper they've got in from Rangers as well. It just feels like they're 
everything has just kind of stepped up a bit. I can keep going. Very tidy midfield options I've got written down here. Spearing, Virtue, Pritchard, Thompson, maybe a little bit shorter centre-back just in terms of depth. And with but, tilt is always tipped to leave. But that's the thing. But Grayson's come out and saying, we are not selling him. I mean, right. Mark Bowler is going to go. I think he has he gone has now. Gone. He has gone to Borough. But tilt... Um, apparently Rotherham have given up the chase because they're just not going to sell him. I mean, they have only got Tilton Edwards at the moment who are specialist centre-backs. I'm sure they'll sort that out. But it just feels like a, suddenly a really well-rounded squad with shrewd recruitment, spending a bit of money. Bloomfield Road's going to be a, you know, a completely different place next season. They're ninth in our predictions. Oh. As I'm talking to you, I wish they were a bit higher. Do you reckon Big Tell McPhillips thought this is getting too much for me. I, you know, I, I need to hand this over to someone who can, who can use this squad and, and make the most out of it. Yeah. It was an interesting thing for him to do to step down. Um, feeling good about Blackpool. I'm not necessarily feeling as good as you because I feel very good about our top eight. And that's where we go next. This is going to upset some people. Peterborough United in eighth place. So since we started recording, we got a, a, a tweet from a Peterborough fan saying, don't be too harsh on the posh official. I, sh I should say this is at Football Index N1, called Big Bazza. Big Bazza said, don't be too harsh on the posh official at George Ellick. You don't seem to like us much. Thank you for listening, Big Baz. George, what would you say to that? I, all I will say is that it's hard to be consistently accused of not liking Peterborough when every time we say, or I say that there are, there are issues ahead, it always seems to ring true. Like the, the best place finished in the last four years is ninth. Every summer is exactly the same. Every summer there's this flurry of activity and this wave of optimism and the con conviction of the fans that this year is going to be different. And every time, shock, the players aren't quite as good as they were made out to be. The management team isn't one of the best in the league. The expectations are set way too high. And it's the same again this season. I, I, the, the way that certain fans seem to go on about, about this squad it's as if it's ready to win the league and I, I just can't see it um, I, can't, I, th I think Kent and Butler are two really really good signings I think the Beavers is a decent signing but it's not necessarily enough to take a squad that finished you know, lower than this last season to the next level I still have massive concerns over Darren Ferguson the, the data last season was consistently poor you know, with our friend Blades Analytic coming on board at Peterborough I'm sure that's soon going to change but I still just doubt if there's, if there's the the nous at top level at Posh to really understand what the, the way to go about winning games. Moisa is exciting and could be anything, and I think he's the key. If he is the £1.2 million player that Bristol City thought they were buying, then he could be the one who really transforms this season for, for Peterborough. Beyond that, you know, and, and you, see, you see every season, you see Darren McAntony on, on Twitter telling people that you know, the people who keep predicting them to do badly, they'll see you. And every, every year they're right. They're right. So the, the exception to the rule would be if this year, Peterborough turn it around, project well in the numbers, consistently win games, playing well, and, and, live, and you know, walk the walk as well as talking the talk. I've got that written down as well. Plenty to prove. Time to walk the walk. There you There's go. your headline. There's your headline. Well done, George. Enjoyed that. I'm going to talk to you about Fleetwood because I quite wanted them to be in the playoffs, but I was gazumped. Uh, I like all of Fleetwood's signings this summer, which mm. is rare, um, but reflects well on, on Barton and whoever is helping him with recruitment, if there is someone. Um, you know, they all kind of make sense when you think of the team that, that Barton put together last season, which 
at times looked like it was ready for a playoff push and never quite made it. They just always felt like one level of consistency away or one level of quality away from reaching it. And I think they could reach the playoffs this time round, but we've got them just outside. Louis, uh, Louis, Louis Coyle, uh, Harry Souter were both there last season on loan and come back. They'll be better, presumably, for their loans, you would have thought. Danny Andrew uh, left back to replace Maguire, who left. And the big one in midfield is Paul Coots, who comes in from Sheffield United, someone that we spoke about at the beginning of last season as one of Sheffield United's key players, as they looked like they were pushing for the playoffs uh, in their first season in the Championship, picked up a horrendous injury, and is now back playing for Fleetwood as Sheffield United have sort of moved on without him. But, you know, general consensus is if he can find even 90% of his quality from before the injury, then Fleetwood have got themselves a player. We know that they've got a player in Jordan Rossiter because we saw him play for Berry second half of last season. Quality player in midfield and Josh Morris out wide to ease the load a bit on Ash Hunter, who, who got so many assists last season. Um, they have lost Chet Evans, who is a big player for them up front. So there's a bit more pressure on Paddy Madden for goals and a bit more pressure on Conor McElhaney to fulfil the potential that we used to talk about a few years ago. Um, but... You know, maybe they'll go to, to just, just Madden up front, which I think might suit him better. It'll also mean they can play an extra man in midfield, push the wide men a bit higher up. I don't hate that as an option. Uh, the numbers were good to finish the season. And, you know, despite a, a, a lingering question mark about Barton's uh, rendezvous with Daniel Stendhal towards the end of last season, uh, I do actually think that they're going to be pretty good this season. So we've got them in seventh, but as you can hear, I'm pretty fond of them. Uh, and we've got MK Dons in sixth, George. I'm quite fond of them as well. You, you, you keep going. Yeah, I've spoken Take about it. On. I've spoken on it on about. I've spoken about it on uh, some of our pre-season podcasts. But I just kind of under the radar like everything that MK Dons have done. I uh, like the makeup of their squad. I do believe, and I don't think this is too revisionist, that if it wasn't for a few key injuries, critically to Jordan Moore Taylor and Alex Gilby, uh, they probably would have been a genuine contender for the title with Lincoln. That's certainly how they started the season. Uh, they were very, very good at the back, gave up barely any chances, and they were actually better at creating chances than Lincoln were for a period as well. Now, obviously, that was not sustained, but I, you know, you can't predict another injury crisis. So, assuming everyone is fit, I think that they almost have the perfect squad to play that three-four-one-two system or three-four-two-one system that they started last season with. We don't think that the step up from League Two to League One is particularly big. We've seen plenty of teams in recent history settle down just fine. So that's kind of it. I think they are settled. I don't think they will be overawed at all. This is a club that was in the championship about five years ago, maybe less. Um, and I just really like their defence, balanced options in midfield, maybe one guaranteed goalsman away from, from me getting even more excited. But... Still plenty in the tank up front, uh, and I've got them in sixth place. Three to one for a top six finish with Fitzstairs, uh, MK Donzar, which seems like a very, very decent price. Seven to one for promotion, and the unlikely winning of the league would be 25 to one. Yeah, interested in all of it, to be honest. Um, and above them, we've got Lincoln City, so uh, another promoted League Two team. We've got them all the way up in fifth place. George, you're going to take us away on this one, because this is something you felt nice and strong about yes and it's really simple just as long as the Cowley brothers are there um, I'm just all aboard uh, the concern for me would be that 
if promotion's looking unlikely, um, then they may take an offer from the championship. Um, I but can see why you'd think that. I would say that on a different uh, but very mm. good EFL podcast called D3D4, uh, there was an interview with Danny Cowley a few weeks ago. And one of the things that's put me off a bit, Lincoln, is he was like adamant that they are not ready to challenge, not set to challenge. When have you heard it before? Well, when they got promoted from the, from the National League, he said exactly the same thing and they got into the playoffs. He's just, he's a master of it. He completely understands what he's doing. He's just very good at tempering expectations, making sure that people don't get ahead of themselves. But realistically, I mean, he's not going to be saying that to the players behind closed doors. I mean, he knows the quality of the squad that he's got. We know that teams who do well um, at the top end of, of League Two normally kick on in League One. We can see what Luton did last season. I don't think there's a massive difference between the two squads from League Two level. I think that um, they did progress uh, last summer and, and, you know, the the way that Stacey and, and Justin came on for Luton took them to a different stratosphere. But um, the three signings, I mean, I think George Grant, Jack Payne, and to a lesser extent that I, that I know of him, Joe Morrill, are three massive signings. Mm. And it may change the way that, uh, that Lincoln play. We associate them as being a fairly direct team, but Payne and Grant, really good ball players, very technical players, Payne especially. And Joe Morrill, I've seen some... Um, passing metrics for him that suggest that he's very, very strong indeed on the ball. I think that was a big onus, wasn't it? Getting good progressive passes and, and technique, really, in yeah. the final third to unlock defences that might sit deep against and let's, them. And let's be honest, they'll be able to do both now. Like They're mm. going to be able, if they want to go direct, they're going to be able to do that. If they're going to want to play through the lines, they'll be able to do that too. They've got an abundance of talent, an incredible team spirit, massive, massive momentum. I don't care if you want to talk about it or not, but just in terms of you know the tangibles, not the intangibles, the the you know, the attendances will be at the stadium, the atmosphere at games, they're riding the crest of a wave. And I think that that wave will not stop until, you know, the Cowleys, for whatever reason, have moved on. Um, the one glaring hole, and the reason why I'm honestly not thinking about backing them for, for the title, is up top, where they need more options. I don't think Akinde is up to the task, necessarily, um, although he could be the person that the likes of Payne and, and, and um, Grant can buzz around and, and get the... Get the um, get the ball off in advanced areas. But uh, that would be the one area that I'd be concerned. But I'm excited by Lincoln. Um, and we've got them in fifth. In fourth, we have, and this is going to upset a few people who I reckon a few Ipswich Town fans may have whizzed to first just to hear what we've got to say about them. Ipswich. Hey, let's not worry if people are upset or not. This is merely our opinion. I don't care. Based on years of research and, uh, and tracking these divisions. Um, and it, it, it might be wrong, so that's good. It doesn't really matter what we think for Ipswich fans. Hopefully, we are wrong from their point of view, but we've got them in fourth. There was just an overriding sense, as we discussed the top of League One, that we couldn't, with conviction, back Ipswich to be in the top two. And it even felt like having them in third just because they're very short price for the title and... That didn't feel quite right either. We've, we've gone for fourth. There's an acceptance here, of course, that the starting 11 should be strong. They should have a talent advantage in the majority of their games here. They've got some young technical players that, you know, in theory, could play a very entertaining and aesthetically pleasing style of football. I think among the rest of the league and amongst maybe more casual observers the name Ipswich is scaring people more than what the reality is. Um, I do believe that they should have 
as I mentioned, the technical advantage in games. I don't necessarily think their squad is as strong as other teams we've seen drop down from the Championship to League One level before. So I just don't think they're an absolute lock-in. Uh, I'm not in love with the back four, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think they they could probably do with a little bit more bite in midfield. I mean, they've got Cole Scoos, who will probably sit at the base of it. I saw that Flynn Downs got sent off for headbutting someone in pre-season, so maybe he's got a bit more bite than I gave him credit for. Um, <laughs> they didn't bite anyone, though. No, not yet. The, uh, the type of football that Lambert tried to get them to play last season, even when they were doomed, that sort of passing and movement and high press, etc., that will help a lot because they won't have to change their style now that they're the more dominant team. Um, but And I guess I just don't like some of the noises coming out there as well. Like Lambert himself... Yeah, from what I've seen, appears to be quite uneasy about the whole situation. And I think the key thinking here for me is that there seems to be... It was a, it was a similar thing with Sunderland last season, where there seems to be this assumption that because of Ipswich, they'll do well. They were one of the worst teams we've ever seen in the Championship, ever. You know, whether that's from the beginning to the end, whether it's under Paul Hurst or under, uh, under Paul Lambert, for whatever reason, from basically mid-September to the end of the season, they were absolutely terrible. And they've added one quality player to that team. I mean, I know there are injuries and long-term injuries to certain players. There's no guarantee they're going to get back to that level. We've also seen that often when teams are struggling and they have long-term absentees, the glorification of those players becomes ridiculous. When they come back, it actually doesn't make it anywhere near as much difference as you'd think. So the notion that adding Norwood to this team is going to transfer them to, you know, last season, where would that Ipswich team last season have finished? If you'd asked me in January where that team would finish in League One then, I'd have said, somewhere at the bottom, bottom end of the top 10, like mid-table. They haven't added much. Um, so He I'm, is a good signing though, James Norwood. He is a fantastic <laughs> signing. You know, we're, we're, we're talking on Sky, uh, on Sky Sports about the best signings of the summer and he is in the whole EFL and he's near the top of that list. Um, but is that enough? I, I don't think it is. Not convinced. We're not convinced, I'm afraid. Ipswich Town in fourth place. Of course, the season is so long that they could feasibly start badly change manager, maybe make some big signings in January, although that seems unlikely with the chairman at the helm, um, and, and, you know, roar into things in the second half of the season. So, um, you know, all of this comes with, with caveats, of course. We've got Rotherham in third place. Rotherham are on a bit of a, a, a yo-yo stretch at the moment. Um, championship to League One, straight back up through the playoffs, straight back down, but not without a fight. I think they're in pretty good shape, and the extent to which they were a good attacking League One team by the end of their last time in League One, the second half of that season, they were a very good team. And the fact that it's still Paul Warren in charge and we know that with him in charge, they will be motivated. They will, um, well, they'll just be a, they'll always be a team for their fans to be proud of. And I think at this level, you know, let's forget the fact that they were very direct and the majority of their goals and chances were from set pieces last season. It doesn't mean that they will just do that again. I think that they will go back to a pretty fluid 4-2-3-1. I think that the departures of Volks, Ajayi and Newell are important. But generally, as far as you can predict transfer success, I think that they've done well to replace Volks with a few different options. They might be a bit light at centre-back um, and maybe out wide as well, but still some time in the window. Good striker options. Uh, they've obviously brought in Ladapo. I know you're not 100% convinced on him, but they've got still got Smith, the big man, who can give them a different way of playing as well. Bring Ladapo into the game a bit. Um, yeah, so I just think 
the midfield and the front line looks pretty strong. They played good attacking football last time out in League One. Um, and that was a very strong League One. You might remember with Wigan and Black Blackburn, they ended up going up with those two. So I think that they could uh, think that they could challenge. That's why we've got them in third. Don't know if you have anything to to add with regards to Rotherham or any prices that you can talk yeah, us through. Yeah, I'll run through some prices. Top six finish for Rotherham is six to five. Um, promotion is seven to two, and to win the league is ten to one. Um, with Ipswich, I just mentioned uh, top six finish is is eight to thirteen. Uh, promotion is two to one and to win the league is six to one. All a bit skinny for me, those. I don't mind telling you that. And um, Lincoln, we spoke about as well. I think these are bets 21 to 10 for a top six finish um, for promotion, uh, six to one and to win the league back to back, 16 to one onto the top two. And <laughs> I think there'll be a few Sunderland fans sitting around amazed that we haven't mentioned them yet and don't panic we are not predicting you to win the league uh, we are predicting that Sunderland will finish second um, for a bit of context there was a bit of back and forth last year between me and Sunderland fans when I had the temerity to tell them that they may not be as good as they thought they were uh, due to a couple of data points such as touches in the box and xg that was back in November I think by the end of the season everyone was yeah fairly on the same wavelength as to how good Sunderland were um, yeah. by the end of the season and didn't necessarily cover themselves in glory in that playoff final either where they were no. they were generally pretty disappointing. But Jack Ross is still in charge. How do you assess them heading into to this campaign? Well, not particularly well, <laughs> despite the fact they're second. Great. I mean, I think, I think because the key thing here... There's a lot to unpack it's, here. It's, it, says, it says a lot that if you look at their price um, for a top six finish, it's really short. It's four to 11 really short because it's hard to see them completely falling apart because of the quality they have in their squad and because Jack Ross well I would say it's hard, of, to, it's hard to believe they'll be worse than last year well, when they came fifth having been in the top three for not, most of the season I wouldn't say it's necessarily even that it's, it's kind of the negative style of play that we see under Ross means that I mean they're unlikely to go and get 100 points as Stuart Donald has said he wants them to but also they're going to draw a lot of games as they did last season because they're low scoring affairs and therefore it's unlikely they're going to lose a lot of games um, he needs to sort that out. They brought in players that I don't really necessarily get the point of it. They brought in Mark McNulty, who, as far as I'm concerned, is just a worse version of Will Grigg, who they spent four million quid on um, in the summer. Embleton coming back in is massive. Um, but with so Ross, why are they coming second then? Because the league itself looks fairly weak. Um, firstly, I think we've we've mentioned our concerns about Ipswich. We've mentioned a couple of concerns about Rotherham. Um, and then you've got MK Dons and Lincoln behind them in our predictions who we who have come up from League Two. So it doesn't feel like Sunderland have to be much better to improve from fifth into second this season. Um, and there is also the possibility that they do get it right and they do work out the sum of their parts and they can go better or that Ross has a dodgy start. They get in a manager who's better equipped to deal with, these, with this group of players and they kick on. So I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't be backing Sunderland to win the league. But then at the same time, I wouldn't be laying any bets. I wouldn't be taking on the idea that they're going to um, finish outside the top four or five. So Still does look like a, a really, really strong team on paper, yeah. as you would expect. Um, the midfield options are very, very strong. George Dobson signs, but he's obviously still got to compete with Grant Ledbitter and Max Power, Dylan McGeoch, Luke Nine as well, who played a lot of last season at right back, but who probably would like to play a bit more central midfield. And the man that we would consider to be the best signing of the lot, except he's not a signing in uh, Elliot Embleton, uh, who had a spell on loan with Grimsby last season, 
I certainly feel like he can inject a bit of a bit of speed of thought, a bit of intent, a bit of intensity, a bit of ball carrying ability and quality with both feet that was really lacking in that part of the pitch for them last season. McGeady was fantastic. He signed a new contract. It's an amazing piece of business to keep him. I would expect him to be absolutely fantastic again. Um, on the other side, hopefully Watmore can get fit and stay fit. Uh, Gooch kind of fell off a little bit last season, which we were surprised about. They've still got Maguire, of course. And in Grig, McNulty and White, like, if he can't get them scoring, then it's, it's the wrong man to be in charge, uh, simply uh, put. And at the back where we had quite a few concerns, I think it's fair to say, at the back end of last season, um, you know, you've still got Baldwin and Flanagan and Ozturk. And you've got Jordan Willis as well, who I'm sure has been signed to be a starter. So, you know, him and Conor McLaughlin, uh, who's a right back, they are solid League One options. Certainly not spectacular, I wouldn't say, but good options. And they've managed to get some of those high earners off the wage bill as well in, in Oviedo and Catamol. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sort of strange one to go through, isn't it? Because, you know, it, it would be very weird if we just suddenly decided they were going to be amazing after what we saw uh, to finish last season, what we th saw throughout last season. But we still think that they are going to go up for a few reasons that hopefully we've explained. I guess in a similar way to what I was saying about Accrington being on borrowed time, it's, it's similar to Sunderland where because of the level of their budget and because of the players they have at their disposal, eventually they're going to go up. They don't even necessarily have to do anything <laughs> good to go up. They came very close last season to going up when they were pretty crap. So... You know, it's not going to take much in a league that looks to be short of quality in order to do it this time around. And finally, our champions of League One this season coming. Portsmouth Football Club, the best team, George, that didn't go up from League One last season. I think that's fair Possibly to say. Possibly in the EFL, I would say. As in the, the unluckiest losers. Oh, I think Leeds fans would have something to say about that. Maybe Mansfield fans as well. All good options. Yeah, all good well, might, Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Interestingly, they all lost in the playoff semifinals. <whistles> Hangover. Let's watch out for that this year. If there's a team that just misses out. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, Pompey, basically, from the moment the playoff final was over, I think, seemed to be the likely ones. Um, despite losing Matt Clark and, and, and now Jamal Lowe, um, they were probably the best team in, in League One. For the majority of it, um, Luton were consistently over the whole course of the season, but except for just a horrible blip um, in January uh, through, through to February, Portsmouth were very, were very good. I assume Kenny Jacket will learn from his mistakes, although he is seemingly stockpiling strikers again. Um, but they have an embarrassment of riches there at the moment in Brett Pittman, in Ellis Harrison, in Ollie Hawkins, going after John Marquis. Um, they've also got uh, Ronan Curtis out wide. They brought in Marcus Harness. Um, and also kind of lifted the load, I guess, a little bit on those wide players with, just by bolstering it. It felt like there was a time last season when Curtis maybe um, was taking his toll that it was his first season in, in, the, in the league and low. I was unable to keep up that level of, um, of productivity. So bringing in Ryan Williams as well, who's a, a canny winger from Rotherham, um, I think who can play on both sides will be interesting because he can, he can come in there if Harness or, or, um, or Curtis are struggling. Uh, Raggett coming in at centre-back looks like an interesting signing as well. Hasn't been able to force his way in at Norwich, but was obviously very impressive at Lincoln coming in to replace Clark. Um, 
it's just smart recruitment and Jacket is just such a solid manager. It's impossible to see them far out of it. Um, they're on an upward trajectory. They were brilliant at times last season, so effective. And um, and they seem to be strengthening even further. And if they can bring Marquis in, I mean, I don't think they, they really need him. But if they can, then that is just the icing on, on the cake of, of, of what looks to be the best balanced and best squad with the best manager in the league. Best manager in the league is definitely a big call. But let me just underline some of the key words that you mentioned there. Solid, effective. Uh, they've added a lot of depth, certainly, and some talent as well. Um, they're not going to concede many goals. I think we can all agree on that. I th I'm pretty sure we said very similar things last season. Um, they're going to win a lot of games 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. I'd like to see them a bit more effective uh, against teams that, that come and sit deep and play a low block and, and, and you know, defend hard to break down, that sort of thing. I would like to see them be more effective in that sense. Um, but I feel like this is one of the most confident predictions out of our whole three EFL divisions, one to 24s, which you can find wherever you found this one, uh, is Portsmouth to win League One. Uh, they are our champions. George, uh, in terms of the odds, what are we talking? There's been steady money for them for the last few weeks and Fitstairs have them at five to one second favourites to win the league, seven or four second favourites for promotion and seven to 10 um, for a top six finish. So, and then Sunderland, I should say, at four to 11 for a top six finish. Uh, they are the favourites for promotion at 13 to 10 and the favourites to win the league at 7 to 2. Uh, I'll mention again, if you want to see these odds, sign up for an account with Fitstairs, F-I-T-Z-D-A-R-E-S, www.fitstairs.com. We'll tweet a link out as well so you can join up if you like what you've heard. And apart from that, it's just thank you so much for listening to this League One 1 to 24 prediction podcast we are not the Top 20 podcast, and if it's the first time you've listened to us, please subscribe. Please follow us on Twitter at NTT20pod. We want to be your central hub for EFL conversation, discussion, analysis, news, dare I say it, over the course of the season. So please do join us, and thanks again for listening.